when I first heard the term fast fashion, I didn't honestly really know what it meant. I thought it was just kind of this term to describe the fashion industry. But when I got to down to the nitty gritty and actually looked up the definition, I found it pretty interesting. The official definition, if you will, is a contemporary term used by fashion retailers to express that designs move from the catwalk quickly to capture current fashion trends. Fast fashion clothing collections are based on the most recent fashion trends presented at Fashion Week in both the spring and fall of each year. So a couple of weeks ago, we have Fashion Week in New York City. Everybody's traveling there. Everybody's going and seeing all of the catwalks and all of the different fashion shows. And basically, retailers like H&M, Forever 21, those typical fast fashion retailers see those designs, and then they move quickly on those designs. And suddenly, you will see trends in the stores, sometimes within a few weeks. But the thing about fast fashion is, is that while it might be convenient for a consumer to get their hands on something that's trendy very quickly, it's actually really harmful to the people and the environment behind those pieces of clothing. It's not something that we probably give very much thought to, but it's something we probably should. Saloni Shreshta, the founder of Agati, a luxury designer fashion brand, is trying to buck the trend of this fast fashion world. They make beautiful clothing that is sustainable and accessible and fashionable and bold and bright and beautiful. It looks high-end, it's well-made, and it's kind to both the people and the environment that are behind it. Saloni grew up in the Himalayan region of India and... After traveling the world, she realized that she had a passion for color and culture. And as she grew older, she realized that she loved fashion. But the more she learned about the fashion industry, she realized she didn't love the fashion industry. And so she wanted to create a brand that was kind to people and the environment while also being trendy, fashion forward, and beautiful. Welcome to Business with Purpose. I'm your host, Molly Stillman of stillbeingmolly.com, and this show is all about bringing you the stories behind the brands, companies, and small businesses that are changing the world. Each week, I interview an entrepreneur, a CEO, nonprofit director, community leader, or just all-around amazing person who is trying to make a positive impact, not only through their personal life, but also with their professional career. My goal is to show you that no matter what you do for a living, you can make an impact right where you are. Now on to the show and enjoy this chat with Saloni Shreshta. Hello, Saloni. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Molly. Thank you for having me here. (laughs) I have been looking forward to this so much and I have been following you and Agati um, online for, gosh, I don't. I mean, months, maybe even coming up on a year. And ever since I uh, just, I 
came across you guys. I just love everything that you're doing. So I'm so excited just to hear your story and how it got started and uh, just hear your background and, and all of that. So without further ado, I would love for you to do what I have all my guests do, and that's give us the Saloni 101. So tell me your story, um, you know, where you're from, where you grew up, and, and, and all the things that have sort of transpired to lead you to where you are today. Fantastic. Firstly, thank you for this opportunity. Uh, you know, myself and the Agati team is very thankful um, for, you know, just uh, getting an opportunity to share our story oh, and yeah. what we are all about, what we have to offer. Um, and and here we go. Um, so I was uh, I was born in the Himalayan region of India. Uh, ever since the age of 16, I have, you know, been traveling uh, and and doing several things um, around the cities in India, and then I kind of did my uh, master's in business administration. Moved out, uh, worked in Singapore for several years, and that's when my first uh, you know call for a creative career came about, mm-hmm. uh, which was very very strongly supported by my uh, you know partner, my husband. And uh, there was a contemporary women's wear brand that was very bold, uh, you know, colors and prints um, that was designed around the, the, the inspiration was around that. And uh, it was very wearable at the same time. It was Singapore was a very good, you know, uh, founding ground where they supported local designers very mm-hmm. much. I was a self-taught designer. And after about two and a half, three years of running the business, uh, you know, the, the question was, okay, what do I do next? Because I think being progressive and unlearning to learn more was very important for me. So that's when I headed to New York and uh, I, you know, graduated from Parsons, oh, wow. um, learned, learned so much. Uh, it was an intense, uh, you know, a year and a half and uh, managed to meet wonderful, creative people, young people, uh, you know, who had so much to offer for the future of tomorrow uh, through their creativity and innovative minds, learned so much from them and also was fortunate to, you know, um, intern and be trained uh, within the ateliers of Oscar de la Renta, you know, within the fabric department of DVF, you know, again, the atelier and, and of Zach Poson. Uh, all-round design internship in Naheem Khan. So there was, uh, you know, amazing learning experience there as well. I always wanted to, of course, get back to, you know, starting my own brand. And the question was, um, you know, what what will it be? Uh, you know, I did not want to, you know, kind of uh, discover something that will, that would have a shaky background that I would not be sure about would last for, you know, five years, six years. So uh, what would be the philosophy of the brand was the question. And um, I have to say that, uh, you know, um, the seed for a sustainable brand was actually born while uh, at Parsons, while being at Parsons, because there were, you know, some professors, there was, uh, you know, a course in zero waste design that got me thinking to actually there is a completely different side to, you know, just just making products and manufacturing them and sourcing them without really knowing the uh, story, the processes, you know, the, the pros and the cons 
pre-design and post-design. So that was where a very, very, you know, interesting journey for uh, sustainable design thinking began. Um, And then, yeah, I moved to California about a year and a half back. And that's when things got, I think, even even more uh, clearer as to, yes, I do want to, uh, you know, launch a, a women's wear brand that thought about the environment that thought about the people, uh, you know, that uh, worked within this uh, environment and how can a brand be born that could be an impact for tomorrow, um, that could be completely fashionable. So that is where, uh, you know, I came across obviously another person, my business partner, who was also very much interested in uh, a journey like this. And together we uh, came about to find, you know, uh, to to found uh, Agati, and the meaning of Agati is actually comes from a Sanskrit word uh, called. Um, uh, it's it's the meaning is origin, uh, or the arrival, the arising of something, and that was so true uh, to what we wanted to do. You know, we wanted to make very very design centric garments uh, that were limited editions. At the same time, it worked, you know, it worked in creating employment, in making sure that we share stories of craftsmanship that has been coming along for many years uh, to people. You know, people Mm -hmm. definitely don't know so many stories that's behind the embroidery, behind the weave. So we would want to work with weavers from different parts of the world where, you know, this craftsmanship is still alive and help help in that, uh, work with natural fibers as well, and, uh, you know, encourage to let our shoppers and the consumers know what is fair trade and why they should question something that is, you know, so amazingly priced like $10, but why is it $10 versus something that is handmade and would, you know, um, obviously be priced so differently. So I think just a brand that would have a mission of being the most fashionable uh, wardrobe offered to consumers, um, you know, in the sustainable car- uh, category is what what I would say we are as of today. That is amazing. <laughs> you have just done so much. And it's, it's in a lot of ways, like you have both been doing this for so long, but then in some ways you've also just started. And it's amazing just to see what you guys are doing. And I, you know, when I think of, and I've told people about Agati, I think of it as a very, it's so fashion forward. And I love seeing, because a lot of times, and, and I don't think this is bad, but a lot of times in the sustainable ethical fashion industry, a lot of brands are all very, kind of carry a lot of basics, a lot of very simple design, which I think is great. And I I love and wear a lot of those brands, but it is, like you were saying, it's very hard to find, or it can be a little bit more difficult to find an ethical or sustainable fashion brand that's carrying a lot of bright, bold pieces, very fashion forward, a lot of embroidery, a lot of pattern, um, you know, different, you know, even carrying things with trends. Like you guys have some beautiful off the shoulder pieces, um, you know, which is very um, trendy and fashion forward right now. So I just love how you've, you've meshed those two worlds and how I think there's this very, there's this very large misconception that can, consumers have that aren't as familiar with the sustainable fashion world where they think that you can't get 
you know, very bold or trendy pieces. And I'm like, oh, no, that is not true at all. You're just not looking in the right places. And I think that Agati is one of those brands that you, that is that that just that bold, like lots of color, florals. So, I, yeah, I just I love what you guys are doing. Thank you so much. And uh, we hope to, you know, we are very excited to bring another collection for fall winter that has some amazing art, uh, you know, ribbon art, which is done on dead stock fabric. So there is constant, I think uh, it's a constant discovery j- uh, journey for us as well. And, uh, you know, we we absolutely, it is, of course, the aesthetics is very different from most of the sustainable brands. Uh, but, you know, what we see is they, there are so many brands who do beautiful, um, you know, basic essentials and, and the, the fabrics, you know, even though it may, it, it is a simple top or a bottom, the, the fabrics melt in your hands and it's mm-hmm. so, you know, so well thought of and clean. Yes. And yeah. we thought there are some amazing brands who do that. So we do what we, you know, what we are kind of our experiences are rich about, Yeah. you know, both me and my founder have traveled around a lot. You know, we have, we have grown up amidst colors and culture and so many meetings, so many, you know, people from different backgrounds and, and it, it enhances the curiosity so much to keep meeting and seeing more of those. So I think that is why the strong aesthetics of, uh, and also my individual love for couture um, you know I love uh, these heritage houses who have amazing work but of course at completely <laughs> unimaginable prices so this is what we want to bring you know to our to our uh, you know beautiful uh, inspiring women uh, a, a, a brand that has you know touches and hints of couture work to it uh, at the same time it is very wearable and they are price friendly as well so mm-hmm. people do ask us, you know, oh, how, how can you, you know, manage this kind of pricing level? Um, well, you know, we do want people to buy Agati at, you know, the, at the, way, the way it has been designed and prices that is comfortable for them so that they understand the stories around sustainability. We want them to encourage to come and shop sustainable, you know, uh, clothing lines, not just ours, but spread the story even for the other brands in, in this community. Um, so, yes, we are price friendly as well. And hopefully, you know, we can, uh, we can bring about even pre-orders or custom designs uh, to our customers, which is which is obviously about you know uh, specific. There are some specific requirements uh, with natural fiber products or some very specially weaved textile that we work with. Uh, there are artisans, weavers in India that we had a very special project with uh, to get the stripe. There is a specific fabric in our collection that got weaved, and we will be going to Nepal soon. So oh, wow. this is where the you know the attention to detail in our process comes about and and we love it hopefully we can bring more of it to you guys yes now I have to ask so you know you said that a lot of the design inspiration comes from both you and your and your business partners um just you know your love of travel and and how you've seen the world and for you yourself you know having been born and and growing up in India and and I love India Indian fashion like I had a couple of my friends growing up were um, from India and they're just the beautiful colors and the clothes and just the intricate embroidery I mean just it's unlike 
anything and truly almost in any other culture that I've ever seen is just the beautiful, beautiful fabrics that are used in Indian culture. Does a lot of that, um, how does your own background and your childhood and, and just where you grew up, how does that really influence your design and, um, and love for color? Um, actually, I think if, if I have to go down the memory lane, it's all, it always, always began with, you know, um, growing up days of seeing my mother, um, every day, get ready to work in the morning Mm -hmm. and, you know, wearing this, uh, beautiful, beautifully assembled, you know, saris, the traditional Indian wear which is also one of the zero waste garments because it is one long stretch of fabric. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wastage to that. And um, yeah, like it was always amazing. And I would always wait until she kind of, uh, you know, during the summer vacations when I would come back home. Um, and I would always watch her walk out the door from the jewelry. She would kind of, you know, uh, mesh up with the different uh, saris and the patterns to the saris and the shoes she would put together. Uh, she was always, or she will always be my biggest, you know, inspiring muse. I love that. Uh, and, and yeah, I don't know. She was so naturally, you know, uh, tuned to it. And she loved doing embroidery, like in our own home. Uh, you know, there was so much of, um, um, you know, like the, the sofa covers to the to the bed covers. Like she would Im- do so much of embroidery herself. Mm-hmm. So I think it all began at home. Uh, and, you know, India is has such an amazing history in textile. So I grew up doing a lot of textile manipulation myself. Um, I would totally just hand sew some of the garments while growing up, you know, when I could not, you know, buy exactly what design I had in mind, being inspired by the Bollywood movies, you know, I would go and hand sew them myself. And I would also design for my friends. So I think it just kind of journey began with not only what you see at home and get inspired with fashion was always, uh, you know, something so critical uh, (laughs) as a part of our growing up lives seeing my mother seeing you know the the beautiful you know divas of of Bollywood and then slowly evolving into what I saw outside India uh you know like Asia has a very different flavor Mm -hmm. the rest of Southeast Asia for example like um, Singapore has you know there is a very big Chinese uh segment a culture a Malay culture there is Indonesia nearby which has you know amazing uh fabric uh, there as well, and the handwork that goes into it. There is, you know, block printings and endless. We could have an endless conversation around the whole te- history of textile that mm-hmm. comes from, you know, South Asia and Southeast Asia. So um, I think just coming about that, and when I got to explore. Um, commercially like you know actually selling your art to consumers when I uh, when I founded my first brand I think that's where it it kind of heightened even more that it's not just seeing and doing it for yourself as a hobby but when you actually are creating art uh, in a wearable form uh, thinking of the commercial side of it as well uh, to the end end users um, so I think yes I, I hope that answers your question oh absolutely Now, I want to talk a little bit about one of the things that I know, if one of the things, if not the thing that is the most important to you as you developed Agati, and that is the sustainability and the ethics piece. And, and, 
you know, this is one of those things that because I talk to business owners in this space a lot and because this is something that I'm really passionate about, it's funny how I think sometimes I can take for granted that I know about a lot of this stuff, but I realize that the it is still the reality that most people just don't really understand and have a full grasp of the importance of this issue and how it just there's a trickle down effect that happens in so many ways when we talk about um, you know just by empowering um, artisans and, and paying people a fair wage and paying women a fair wage and how that affects families and how that affects kids and 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 people are you know girls are able to get an education and boys are able to get an education and they're able to grow up and and be you know you know, contributing members of society. And then you have everything from how it affects um, human trafficking and all these types of things um, that that are connected in so many ways. And so this is obviously, this is a huge piece of Agati. And um, I would love for you to just kind of share what, you know, talk about your artisans. And so where is the clothing manufactured? And what was all the process that went into that portion as you were developing this brand? When when Agati started, uh, we were a little lucky that, you know, there was a certain supply chain that I was already familiar to. Mm-hmm. For example, the factory that I worked with, uh, you know, during the operations of the previous brand. Um, so starting with familiar ground, I think was always, you know, uh, it was always the first choice. So I went back to the old factory who completely operates on, you know, um, operates on a good working uh, environment because, and how I know that is because I have spent, you know, time, uh, a lot of time sitting in her office, working with her tailors in the past. And that is what I did again for our recent collection where about five weeks was in India. Uh, So, yes, starting off, you know, the first collection uh, where we did not have a very big window, but at the same time, we did not want to completely skip this year's collection and move into the next. Mm -hmm. Uh, We decided that let us start with a familiar partner. And uh, this is a women-led, you know, she is a very tough, uh, you know, a lady who runs this uh, factory and she's been doing this business for years. So it is all, it was also, you know, amazing to support another woman uh, when I see her managing, you know, this ma- massive team. Um, it, it is inspiring to kind of, you know, see a woman boss there as well. And uh, what happened was, Obviously, we had to find also another factory that could do a lot more about embroidery. And we did look around in um, L.A. and San Francisco. I think that is where uh, the challenge was that we could not find ateliers that could do a lot of the embroidery work or the traditional, uh, you know, sort of uh, craftsmanship uh, that we wanted to showcase in our designs so that is why we again went back to India to find uh, you know another factory and this another factory also is is you know very it's a small team but where again it is women-led it is a what is a woman-led factory that has a small team but a very happy team I've been working with them uh, for many months now and I was there you know sharing my own 
uh, techniques that I learned at Parsons, because sometimes the techniques they use is a little bit uh, not outdated, I would say, but not so uh, friendly for the Western world clients. So I felt that if I transfer some of this knowledge on pattern making and on, you know, cutting the fabrics effectively by making them think about as less wastage, that would, you know, maybe not only help uh, us, of course, um, because they're working in a more efficient way and yeah. more in a, you know, a higher high fashion standard practices. But at the same time, there will be lesser wastage in, you know, fabric cutting. So we've we've taken step by step process. These pattern makers and sewers, a lot of them in India are uh, men. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it is it is a little different from the rest of the world where there are many, many women sewers and, uh, you know, knitters and embroidery people. Whereas in India, for example, in Delhi, you will find a lot of them are men and they are very, very hardworking. You know, they all come from very simple backgrounds, uh, but they're all very talented as well because yeah. they have spent, you know, their entire life doing this. So um, I can see that when I go and work with them or someone from Agati would go and work with them, uh, there is a very personal connection that builds up and when they see the client in front of them across their table it makes a very big difference to them and you know they have amazing respect uh, that they show to the client and when they see that back coming to them I think it becomes a very uh, you know mutual process of you know um, uh, respect and admiration uh, for the work that is going on it is not just about money I think the respect that they get in us showing to them also makes a very big impact so I personally love that process and uh, they have done amazing work with you know the the collections and you will see in our fall winter as well there is some beautiful work going on and I'm very thankful you know I'm very thankful that they are so many miles away but uh, you know I can completely (laughs) rely on what what they are doing there and how they are managing it for us and this all comes about with the visits and the face-to-face communication and the time we spent with them, you know, it, it comes around with that. Um, so I would, I would definitely say to, you know, a lot of the uh, business owners and designers who sit in this part of the world and they work with Cambodia or with India, uh, you know, it's, it's nice to make a visit even if it is once a year. So that you get to see how these factories operate, how mm-hmm. many even simple processes, like how many breaks do they get? And, you know, um, are they happy and are they being managed well? And is there, you know, any child labor going on? Because they, when you're sitting there for hours, you get to know their operations. And these factories, one of the factories very much audited, uh, you know, by the government agencies and uh, the other one, they are not certified as a as a fair trade practice uh, because I believe you know they it takes a lot of uh, I think investment on their yeah, side. It does. Yeah. Yeah, so that is a very big challenge that they face, uh, you know, at least in, in, in India. So we are constantly looking at, I think, the supply chain, which is so important that we maintain a good relationship 
and we help out these uh, factories we work with. At the same time, we are also in the you know endeavor to look out for factories here in LA and San Francisco, um, so that we work with both the economies. Although we are a small business, you know, we come from uh, backgrounds where you know our our past roles have been about how can we impact the economy of the society that we are living in as well. Although we could be you know travelers, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so that is important, and you know we buy our fabrics, a lot of our fabrics in LA, and so that is also a very conscious decision, um, where you know there is dead stock or there is some beautiful you know surplus fabric that gets uh, sold in some of these uh, you know good partners we have found, and then we kind of bring them to India to get them textile to get the textile manipulation done to them. Yeah. I love that you guys really think about the impact that you have both globally and domestically. I think that is that just shows such intention and uh, just dedication to the to, to the overall craft and then the overall the experience and then the, the final product. Um, you mentioned something earlier that I think is also a really important thing to talk about. And that is, you know, you talked about how as you were, you know, studying and as you were getting really into learning about the whole process. You know, you talked about the pre and post design. So, you know, when you talk about when you design a piece of clothing, like sometimes as consumers, we can get into this mindset of, oh, you know, somebody draws it, draws a picture of a nice dress and then somebody makes it. <laughs> like It's not that simple. You know, you think about you have to design it, you have to make the pattern, you have to find the fabric, you cut the fabric, you, you know, do the sample pieces, you adjust for fitting, you think you then take into account different sizes and, you know, and then there's all this and then just to, but, even going further back, you know, for the fabric, you think about somebody has to grow the cotton, somebody has to gin the cotton, then it has to be, you know, milled, and and then it has to be actually made into fabric. Like, there's all these different steps that go into the making of our clothes, and we don't realize that. We take that, I think so many of us take that for granted. And so you go into the store and you see a shirt that is maybe $10 or it's $5, and you go, oh, that's so cheap. And for me now, I've gotten to this point where I want to know why. Why is it so cheap? Why that, you know, if you look at a pair of jeans that are $10, I think there's no way that you can tell me that every single person that touched that pair of jeans along the supply chain from the time the cotton was grown to when it was ginned to when it was milled and made into fabric and made into denim and and cut and the rivets were put on and, and the zippers were put on and then it had to be shipped and all that kind of stuff. You can't tell me all the people along the way that impacted that one pair of jeans were paid fairly if that pair of jeans is $10. You know, it's just it's one of those things that I think so many consumers take for granted and I just I really love how you guys are so intentional and so passionate about making sure that all those things are are just really taken care of you know what I mean yes I mean if I may add here yeah just this this thought of yours um I think it's very important that the corporate the, the, the responsibility begins with you know businesses yes uh, talking about it and sharing this information, you know, to, to people, because when I was on the other side, you know, it, this transformation did not happen overnight. It took yeah. a lot of, yeah. a lot yeah. of time, you know, uh, came about where I bumped into information 
and uh, you know it is all about learnings and it is all about how how often does you know information about climate change about you know uh, animal cruelty about you know the the bad effects of polyester um you know or um, i don't know i mean silk variations of pea silk and you know the the normal silk mm-hmm. all this information it just comes a lot over time so i think as businesses you know the more we keep sharing stories about this weaver for example we work with and you know how much time and and hard work it takes to weave you know handloom uh, fabrics it is it is not you know it is not as simple as you know a, a sharing a price at the end of it it is every bit of as as you mentioned every bit of process and and you know the touch points that go about and um you know well if you someone is making 10000 pieces of a top and if even 20% of it goes into landfill like do people even know that landfills exist and even if they know do, you, do they know how much of the earth is choking because of this landfill mm-hmm. i think all of this information you know if it gets slowly into the inbox into the facebook walls into you know some kind of even the media taking a, a lead into it and uh, activists are already doing so i mean so much about it i think the more we as businesses also inform um not just about beautiful designs but the impact by you know shopping consciously i think that could help um i mean sometimes you know we we are not perfect either it is we would love to be we started off by trying to be you know so many things but it is not easy <laughs> oh completely yeah so you know we've chosen that we would want to help the artisans around the world create employment talk about craftsmanship we would work with natural fibers you know we would make sure to focus on fair trade and of course the design part of you know the that that kind of um you know puts an umbrella on it but uh, other than that sometimes i am walking past h&m and you know um there is a very big tendency to go in and see what's going on i used to be an h&m buyer at one point yeah and it is it is a very challenging task you know i must say but hopefully with you know baby steps and more and more people and more and more businesses are talking about it um i think you know choosing choosing i think the the right causes again because sustainability is such a big Uh, a complex area by itself complex field to study by itself absolutely maybe we can start with you know easy choices like planting trees yeah we planted about eight trees because we wanted to make sure that uh, we start learning how to offset our travels so you know our carbon footprint so we planted about eight trees and hopefully we have you know we are supporting the california state parks so, so we can do something along that lines as well um So I think baby steps. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's always what I tell people too is this is such a complex overwhelming issue and it's never going to be fixed overnight. But the more that all of us individually can educate ourselves, can educate our friends and our family and then make choices for ourselves as individuals and our families that, you know, those types of things make a lasting impact when you you know I had um Hamilton Perkins on the show a couple of weeks ago and 
you know, one of the things we talked about was the impact of, you know, just when when one person switches to using reusable grocery bags rather than, you know, the plastic grocery bags in the store or somebody switches to using a reusable glass water bottle rather than, a you know, plastic water bottles, just like little things like that really can add up and make a difference over time. And, and sometimes people, you know, I think people feel overwhelmed. And so then they just think, well, I'm too overwhelmed. I don't know what to do. And so I'm just not going to do anything. And they don't realize that, well, you, you know, you don't have to do everything. You can just do one thing, just change one thing or, or make one positive decision that positively impacts your community or the world or, or whatever. And it really does add up. It really, really does. But it, it, you're right. I think it's just it's so complex and it can be overwhelming. So people just decide to do nothing. I think, but also people meeting people for me personally, uh, it has been, you know, the different kinds of people and the practices, you know, uh, from New York to uh, California here in, in the, you know, Bay Area. I mean, they are so particular about, you know, having different bins for mm-hmm. recycled materials, for compost, for landfills. And then I suddenly realized that when there is a bin for landfill and then you realize how much trash is going into that landfill, you you become, I mean, I don't know how others feel about it, but I would like to throw as less as possible into that bin. That's how the habit started, you know, at home mm-hmm. and, and and everywhere around here. It is amazing how, you know, the the from the restaurants, coffee shops and, uh, you know, people bringing their own bags for grocery. These practices are, I think, very uh, much, um, uh, you know, signs of a very progressive um, I don't know, community, I would yeah, say. Yeah, absolutely. It's great to be here at this time, learning as well from, from people around you and, you know, building that consciousness as well, not only my personal life and bringing it into Agati as well in, in just a different form. Okay, so I have to ask about some of your... When you you said that when you you had studied at Parsons and you graduated from Parsons and you began training and and interning and studying under Zach Posen and Oscar De La Renta and Diane von Furstenberg, I would love to know what was your experience working for some of those very large fashion brands and and you know can you speak to any of any of what you learned working for them that you've used in launching your own brand and and you know did you learn about you know the impacts you know either positively or negatively of fashion on you know everything from manufacturing to um you know environmental impact anything like that working for those brands um i think my key takeaways uh which again was was the main focus as well like i always had a very clear objective for each of the house, uh, you know, uh, houses that I went to, what I would like to take away as, and um, because none of them were, you know, sort of certified sustainable brands, um, it was more about focusing on their, you know, design uh, processes, um, about how, uh, you know, what were the best practices within, you know, the pattern making and sewing. Um, or also, I mean, of course, there's a lot of errands that happen within internships, but out of that, 
you know, just learning from some of these amazing team members uh, of the design brands, the uh, sampling, uh, you know, sampling and uh, the the um, uh, atelier um, that I worked in, for example, in Oscar de la Renta that I learned, um, you know, they follow some of the uh, couture techniques and to be sitting there across the head cutter uh, who is an amazing lady and you know she with her patience teaches every batch of interns so amazingly all her tricks of you know that she's learned uh, her entire life and you know when even Oscar uh, Oscar Daranta himself was alive you know he he was there in the atelier and just knowing that you are in this place where this amazing designer was used to walk around was so inspiring uh, but learning the actual you know doing of um, uh, you know even tacking uh, you know I mean, that's a technical term that we use, but, uh, you know, hand hand tacking fabrics before they are actually sewn, um, you know, the cutting of it and how do you prepare, you know, before you actually go ahead and cut, you know, fabrics so that they ultimately are, you know, in a very good shape to be sewn. I think for me, it was a lot more on the design side. Yeah. Uh, for example, you know, my, uh, my colleagues at DVF, I was in the uh, textile department and I learned so much about, you know, different ideas to kind of that textile can be manipulated to look from, you know, one form into something completely different and how to do sourcing, for example, you know, just uh, sourcing a lot for their requirements for the different collections. I think it was, yes, a very, very holistic uh, learning that I will never forget. And I would love to use those learnings, you know, uh, for Agati's, uh, you know, um, the actual pattern making and the sewing and the cutting and the fabric sourcing processes. Uh, but uh, I would not be able to say comment much on the uh, sustainable or the eco impact side of it unfortunately. No, that's okay. <laughs> and because I was focusing so much on the design process of it, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. And I didn't, and, and it's one of those things where I think it's just, you know, when you are in different stages of life and you're learning different things and, and you realize that you're kind of, your takeaways from different things are going to be um, unique. Uh, you know, when I think back to just Ever, all the weird things I've done in my past and, and jobs that, you know, or internships I've had or jobs I've held where they don't even necessarily all connect, but they're all related in some way because, you know, from one job, I was able to learn communication skills. One job, I was able to learn, um, you know, how to really negotiate. Another job, I was able to learn marketing skills, you know. So I think it's all in how you are able to take away things that you're I guess I'm, I'm kind of messing this up, but, you know, just the way that you're able to learn different things from different jobs or different people or and and those takeaways that you're able to then use to move yourself forward and and to just pursue what you are passionate about. You know, it's going to be a different experience for everybody. But I just you know, when you said that you were able to study under amazing designers like that, you know, I can only imagine just what a dream that could be like. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's still sort of, you know, uh, the biggest, I think, besides, of course, the seed of, you know, sustainable zero waste philosophy, 
thinking in, in Parsons that was born. Besides that, I think working at these amazing fashion houses were, you know, my, will always be key takeaways from my time in New York. Um, while alongside, I must say that while I was, you know, learning and, and having these amazing uh, sort of, you know, notes, you know, mental notes taken from these uh, internships, uh, alongside there was, you know, these uh, projects, live projects at Parsons going on where, you know, there were garments to be designed where you don't waste you know, any of the fabric uh, mm. that you have selected. And what do you do if it was so, um, I, to be very honest, it was a very complex uh, process for me because I had never done, you know, never created anything that had zero waste. And when you're put up to that challenge, I think I wasn't ready. Um, so, of course, I did have, you know, fabric that was waste. But then from that waste, what do you do next? And I can definitely share this. How did I transfer that into the current Agati model? So uh, at the factories that we work with and during my visits, what we've done is we've kept a bag uh, next to the fabric cutter. And he has been, during my entire presence, trained to make sure that whatever, of course, the, their whole pattern making process has been made more efficient by making them to think that we don't waste. We take five minutes, 10 minutes more to think, but we place patterns on the fabrics in a way that there is as less wastage. Mm -hmm. And this wastage matters to the clients because sometimes they are used to working with clients who who are not there to monitor and who have a lot more volume. Uh, so, and, and you know, they, they already, of course, have computerized patterns that do uh, sort of, you know, already have minimized waste. But there are clients with limited editions like ours or who operates in pre-orders that don't have computerized patterns. And that's where we have to encourage them to have the manual process to minimize as less waste. So now um, I'm very happy to say that, you know, they, they put a lot of this extra waste and pieces into that uh, bag. And, you know, when there is suddenly... Uh, a shortage of fabric or suddenly we want to do a new design that's the bag we go to first before ordering any more fabric or before going for any you know uh, sourcing trips so I'm, I'm very happy with that and I hope we can do more about it um, and we are constantly looking to see how we can recycle some of this you know extra fabric that's there in those bags uh, let's see. Let's see. I'm, I'm hoping to do some interesting projects in future with that. We will keep you posted. <laughs> that's so exciting. Well, that sort of leads me to my final question. And that's what is on the horizon for Agati and you in the next, you know, here in this last half of 2017 and into 2018? What can people look forward to seeing from you? Uh, okay, so we have a very big, uh, you know, trip planned, and where I would personally be, uh, you know, uh, actively working on it. Uh, we will be working with weavers again, uh, weavers in India, and also uh, weavers as well as hand knitters in Nepal. Oh wow! So, oh, wow. so yes, yeah, so I am very excited. It hasn't. It has been challenging to find, you know, the right partners again because we want to make sure that we are delivering, you know, a beautiful, uh, you know, uh, textile again. It's it's hand loom fabrics sometimes can be um, 
you know, it it may not always be the aesthetics that Agati works with. Mm-hmm. So that is why, uh, you know, working with the right partner who understands your design philosophy and then translates that was important. But we are almost there in uh, finalizing the partners and then um, very soon, you know, the whole uh, traveling and sitting down with them and working with them project is going to begin. And I'm really looking forward to it. So our spring, summer 18 um, and fall, winter 18 would encapsulate, you know, the the uh, handmade fabric for you all. And uh, we do encourage, we do want to encourage, you know, as much of hand uh, weaved textile into our collections. And wherever we can, we will be using surplus silks as well. There are some beautiful, amazing silks, which is, you know, uh, textile is such a weak spot for me. So I always make sure that our design process begins with very, you know, very intense research around the textile. So that is what you can expect. And um, and let's see what else unfolds. <laughs> the time is flying too fast and too many things are happening. So I would say that would be something big to look forward to. That is so exciting. And I honestly, I can't wait to see what you guys just continue to put out there. And and then also just to see how you guys continue to impact the sustainable fashion world and movement in general. I mean, I just think that you're really setting a tone. And I, um, I just am I can't wait to, to see, you know, that you guys, you know, just how you continue to grow and um, you, Saloni, just in general, I think you're amazing. You're so talented and I just, I think you're wonderful and I can't wait to see how you yourself continue to grow. Oh, I am looking forward to that as well. I am curious, uh, to be honest, you know, uh, you never know. Sometimes you plan something and something else in store for you. Yeah. So I hope that this is what will be, you know, for many years to come, uh, you know, an, a journey of impact plus creating, you know, beautiful designs uh, for our, you know, very, again, inspiring women and strong women. So and thank you, you know, to sustainable community members like yourself, Molly. You know, I think we all small businesses need, you know, need that voice, especially we when we are starting up, when we are early in our journey to reach out, reach out through through you all with with this voice so thank you so much oh it's my pleasure uh so for everybody listening if you're looking to connect with saloni or agati you can find them online at agati.com and it's a-g-a-a-t-i.com and on instagram they are at at agati.california so a-g-a-a-t-i.california on Instagram, and I will be sure to have all of the links down below where you can uh, connect with Saloni and uh, Agati online as well. So, Saloni, thank you so much for coming on the show today, and I really appreciate you just sharing your story and sharing how you got started. Thank you so much. The pleasure is all ours, and um, hope to hope to hear from you again. <laughs> we will keep in touch about yes. everything that's happening. Definitely. Oh my goodness. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Saloni. I loved how her passion just came through in every single thing that she said and every single thing that she does. And you need to check out Agati because it is a beautiful brand. So if we have not teased it enough, now is the time.
Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you are a first-time listener of the show, welcome. Be sure to visit the archives for past shows featuring amazing entrepreneurs and business owners who are literally changing the world with their businesses. If you're a regular listener of the show, thank you so much for tuning in week in and week out, and thank you for your support. Be sure to head on over to iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Overcast, Radio Public, or wherever you listen to podcasts, and make sure you are subscribed to the show. Clicking that subscribe button helps to make sure that you never miss an episode of the podcast. And while you're there, would you mind taking a moment to leave a review of the show? Leaving a review of the show helps me to know what you're liking and how the show is personally impacting you. Reviews are also to show other potential listeners what this show is really all about. If you share the show on social media, be sure to use the hashtag business with purpose podcast, or you can tag me at still being Molly on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. This show is edited by my amazing husband and executive producer, John Stillman. And the music is by Mark Killian of third wheel media. Thank you so much for listening and go do something good with purpose on purpose. Purpose.